0: الحمد لله وقفاء وصلام على عباده الذين استطاع أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدى لهم سبلنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وصلام على المصلين الحمد لله رب العالمين الله صلّي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله سيدنا محمد أبا وسلّم الله صلّي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله سيدنا محمد أبا وسلّم In just a couple of weeks, the month of Ramadan will begin. And for the salik, that person who's striving toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the month of Ramadan carries on a much deeper meaning and deeper purpose. And the reason is because those things that are spiritually necessary for the progression of a believer, they become legally mandated during the month of Ramadan. Those things that are spiritually necessary, during the month of Ramadan, those things become legally mandated, which then carries a very different meaning. So let me try to explain this in a different way so you can take your own life or for example that there are many things in your life that you know you're supposed to do because they're for the betterment of yourself uh, but you find it difficult to do and only when the when a circumstance arises that makes it required for you to carry through on it then and only then do you actually get it done so let's say for example that we know that as human beings that keeping our house clean is necessary, right? It's very helpful that every single, I mean, anytime something falls on the ground, you want to pick it up. Whenever there's a mess, you want to clean it up quickly because if you let it accumulate, then clutter builds and then uh, it becomes overwhelming. So in general, it's difficult to upkeep the home, although it's necessary and beneficial for the mind, it's beneficial for the body. It's just a healthier way to live. Yet human beings still struggle to keep their home clean. So let's say that this is your situation and then you get a phone call from a relative who says hey listen I'm uh, I I just left. I'm driving from, you know, I'm driving from Chicago and I'm coming to your house. I'll be there in about 6 hours. Sorry I didn't give you any notice. So what happens? Then you start scrubbing the house clean spotless you'll vacuum you'll you know you'll vacuum the carpet you'll get make sure the dishes are taken care of you make sure all the clothes are picked up off the floor you'll make sure things are stowed away where they need to be stowed away you'll make sure the you know things are in their closets uh, as needed Uh, you'll you'll make sure that it's sparkling clean you'll make sure it smells good right you were supposed to kind of do this anyway some sort of maintenance on a daily basis but it's just difficult because of usually laziness but now, a situation or a circumstance arose that essentially made it mandatory or required for you to keep the house clean. So, it's not, it was an opportunity. In fact, some people, in order to maintain the cleanliness of their home, they will invite people to their house every two weeks or they'll have a party in their home every two weeks or every four weeks. Why? Because they know that at least I'll maintain my house every two to four weeks. I can't keep it up on my own unless I have some, you know, strong reason to do so. It's just not going to happen. So they'll purposely invite people to their house and know that, hey, listen, I, it's Sunday night they're coming. We got to make sure the house is clean. And no matter what, you know, you may you may even procrastinate until Sunday four o'clock, and then everyone's on it. The whole house is everyone at the house is cleaning up the place, and this is the way to sort of upkeep it. So in this situation. What you knew was beneficial for you, which was cleanliness of the home. It was a necessary. Um, it, it was. It was necessary. It, it was only. It only happened once it became required. Once a circumstance arose that made it required. There's many examples of this, right? You know, maybe th- there's an example where uh, you have to study for an exam. Now you know that you need to get a B on the exam in order to pass. You're kind of taking it easy. And now all of a sudden the professor says that, look, if you, if you, if you can score you know, a 95% or higher on this exam, then I will write you a letter of recommendation or I'll let you honor the class. Now everything's changed. You wouldn't have otherwise like, decided to pursue this, but now all of a sudden you're gonna pursue it. You, know, you can apply this to your car. Uh, you know, many of us don't do a good job of keeping our car clean, right? But then the minute someone says, hey, can I get a ride? And they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, yeah, just give me one minute. And you run to your car and you clean it as much as possible. It finally gets clean. So in general, it's difficult, mainly because of our own laziness, to do things that are good. But when it becomes required, because of some circumstance, then the job actually gets done. Then the job actually gets done. So now we apply this to Ramadan as well. So if you look for the salik, there are many things that are spiritually necessary, but that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does not require us to do throughout the year. Many things, right? Qiyamul Layl. It's not required, but it's spiritually it's required or necessary. But legally, it's not required. You have to pray your five salahs. That's it. Your Fard Salah. Recitation of the Quran. It's not required for you to recite the Quran every day from a legal standpoint. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's essentially a requirement. It's necessary. You don't have to fast, you know, at all, you don't have to fast at all outside the month of Ramadan, period. Spiritually, it's very necessary to have some sort of routine of fasting. But it's difficult to do these things outside the month of Ramadan even though they're spiritually necessary. So as much for the people that are progressing upon this path of Suduq that are trying to become closer to Allah, we realize, we appreciate that there are so many things that we should be doing that are spiritually necessary for us, yet we struggle to do so. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, we talked about fasting, the Prophet ﷺ would fast throughout the year for the sadiq. It's part of our, it should be part of our routine as well. It isn't that we just fast in Ramadan. There's Mondays and Thursdays. There's the, uh, the the white days of the month, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Spiritually, it's important to 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 at least implement this to some degree, right? Qiyamul Layl, praying, standing up in prayer in the nighttime, whether it be at the hajj time or whether it be some other time. It's necessary spiritually, in fact, it's almost like I, like I mentioned, spiritually it's essentially required that a person spend some time in the night standing up in prayer toward Allah that goes beyond the Isha and the Fajr prayer. Recitation of the Qur'an, it's not legally mandated, but spiritually it's necessary. Every sadiq should be reciting the Qur'an every single day without fail. Yet we find it difficult to do throughout the course of the year, even though we know it's spiritually necessary. So then what happens? Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down or put, forces the universe to enter into the state of Ramadan. He forces the universe and he forces us to enter into the, the month of Ramadan. So now what happens? All of those things that were spiritually necessary before, now they're legally mandated as well. Now they're legally mandated as well. So we knew that it was beneficial for us outside of Ramadan, but, not, but we had a choice. Right? We had a choice. We could decide, yeah, I don't need to read Quran, it's not required of me. I don't need to stand in prayer at night, it's not required of me. I don't need to fast, it's not required of me. But now Ramadan comes and all of those things then become required. So that a believer has no choice. The salik has absolutely no choice. Fasting is, is, is tremendously beneficial. right? So let's put it this way. Throughout, we have a nafs. And that nafs wants to do whatever it wants to do. It wants to eat, it wants to sleep when it wants, it hates, it doesn't want to pray, it wants to engage in sin, it wants to do all of these things. And for 11 months, you're given the choice, should you suppress the nafs through fasting, Quran Salah, or should you just let it go? And the vast majority of people, the vast majority of believers will let the nafs do whatever it wants because they they have a choice. And when you leave a human being with choice, or when you leave the nafs with a choice, it will usually make the decision that's in its best interest until you change the, the playing field. And now it's required. So now fasting, which is essential, or let's say fasting in the sense of abstinence from even those things that are halal, which is essential spiritually. Now Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, you have to do it for 30 days and you have no choice. You have no choice. You are going to spiritually benefit. Your nafs is going to be suppressed. I'm not giving you a choice of should it be suppressed or not. You now have to, it, it now is going to be suppressed. It's now going to be suppressed. You don't have a choice. Think about it, right? How difficult is it to fast outside the month of Ramadan? It's very difficult. We know that, okay, even in the winter months, when the days really for fasting would be between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m., right? 10 hours, basically missing lunch, you know, having an early breakfast and delaying your lunch a little bit. It's not easy. I mean, most of us struggle to do this. Even though it's, it's easy. Now the month of Ramadan, the day is 16 hours long and everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. There's no, pe- the vast majority of the Muslim ummah fasts. You know, for every one person that prays their salah, five Muslims fast. Right? If you go to your workplace, you know, you don't even know some people are Muslim. And then Ramadan comes and somehow they're just, they're fasting. It's like, why? I did not know you cared about the. I didn't know you were a Muslim. Forget about cared about deen. But for some reason or another, they, the fasting has been so ingrained within the ummah, that even those people that don't practice deen at all, fasting, they'll fast 16, 15-hour days, and they'll sacrifice. Meaning their nafs is being suppressed. And for the salik, the same thing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it now required, kutiba alaykum عَلَيْكُمُ السِّيَامُ The fasting that was optional for you before, now, as of the second year hijri, kutiba عَلَيْكُمُ siyam It's now been required of you, so your nafs will now be suppressed, whether you like it or not, you will spiritually rectify yourself. Take, for example, Qiyamul layl standing up in the night prayer. We, this isn't necessary for the believer, whether it be before going to sleep at night or whether it be waking up before Fajr and praying, extra nawafil. It is spiritually necessary. But throughout the year, most of us struggle with this. Even though we know, even though we remind ourselves and we know the rewards of it and we know how much spiritual progression can occur from waking up in the middle of the night and calling on Allah and praying toward Allah, we don't do it. But what happens now, the Taraweeh prayer comes into play. And now for, now, we have no choice. It's a sunnah mu'akkada. It's an emphasized sunnah that cannot be left. So now we have to stand for 20 raka'ah in prayer every single night. Think about it. Would you be able to pull this off any other time of the year? This, even if I was told to tell you that this is the way to become closer to Allah and to become nearer to Allah. This is the way to advance yourself. This is the way to earn tremendous reward. This is, the, this is a sign of the awliya of Allah to pray uh, salah at night. If you could do twenty raka'ah, great. Outside Ramadan, how many of us would be able to maintain it? Almost no one. Now it becomes an emphasized sunnah to the degree that every person has to pray, essentially has to pray the tarawih prayer. So now you have to stand in qiyam. You don't have a choice. Your nafs is now forced into doing what's best for for you and your soul. Right? It's an opportunity for those things that we've been wanting that we've been wanting to do throughout the year. Those things that we know are necessary for us throughout the year spiritually that we can't accomplish on our own. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forces Ramadan upon us and says, you will spiritually benefit. You have no choice at this point. Your nafs is going to be suppressed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken the matter into his own hand. You know what happens when you trust yourself. Right, so Qiyamul lay Take for example, Quran. Right, we know spiritually, we're supposed to be reciting the Quran. At least every day, some portion of the Quran should be recited but we struggle to do so and there's missed days. But for many of us, especially if you pray the Tarawih prayer, you're essentially engaging in the Qur'an more than you would at any other time of the year, right? That circumstance has been created. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala has essentially required more or less that we engage more with the Qur'an. Look at the Tahajjud prayer, right? Tahajjud throughout the year is necessary spiritually to wake up before Fajr prayer and call upon Allah. I mean, really the Salik, this, this should be part of their routine. We know its benefits. We know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's mercy mm-hmm. is upon those people that uh, that wake up for the Hajj. We know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala call, he, he He descends to the lowest heavens and calls upon who wants my forgiveness, who wants my mercy. We know this is the best time for the Salik, and yet the vast majority of us are not able to wake up at that time. Now, what happens? Ramadan comes, and you have to have suhoor. Most of us wake up for suhoor somehow or another. We are waking up at the time of the Hajj. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forcing us to do so. Maybe yeah. it's through it for a different intention which is so that we can eat food, but we're still waking up at the time of tahajjud. And, and all we have to do is pray two rak'ah at that time, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts our tahajjud. That deed that we were struggling with for 11 months, now becomes much easier in these 30 days. So, and, and there's, ma- there's many examples of this. There's many examples through the month of Ramadan, you know if you if you look at your life during the month of ramadan if you have stuck with just the legal principles the the requirements or the mandates of ramadan your your daily life is like the life of a wali of allah throughout the year like it's unimaginable it's unimaginable to think that i can i struggle to pray you know 10 rak'ah or you know 15 rak'ah over a fard over the course of the uh, over the course of a day and now i'm going to stand for an extra 20 rak'ah at night You know, it's unimaginable for us to think that I can give up one lunch for the sake of Allah so that I don't have to give in to everything. right? One lunch, I can not eat for five or six hours. And now, we're giving up food and drink for 15, 16 hours, and not just for one day or two days of the week, but for 30 days consecutively. I mean, this is what the awliya of Allah do. This is not what normal people do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forces this upon us. So, for the Sadiq, Ramadan is an opportunity. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity. It's now that chance where we look forward to and we say that subhanAllah, I've had 11 months to try to become closer to Allah and do all of these things. Fast, pray at night, recite Qur'an, engage myself in dhikr, etc. And, and give sadaqah. Those things I was struggling with throughout the year, now finally I'm required to do this. And now my nafs has, now I'm left with no choice. I'm going to be able to do all of these. All of these things that I've dreamt of doing, now I'm able to do. Now I'm able to do it. So we should be excited about Ramadan for this reason. right? Many reasons to be excited about Ramadan. There's, there's other discussions, Allah's mercy, His forgiveness, the communal, um, how this is a communal obligation and the community gets together. There's many things to become excited about. But for the Sadiq in particular, this is now an opportunity for us to finally do what we want to do. To finally you know, perform deeds uh, in the way that we, have, we desire to perform deeds. To finally implement the Sunnah you know that we should have been doing throughout the year for our spiritual rectification but that we failed to do now is finally our chance to 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 actually do these things so with this sort of an opportunity right with this sort of an opportunity we welcome it and we look forward to it so now when a person makes a dua that many times we hear, especially in Rajab and Shaaban, Allahumma uh, barik lana fi Rajab and Shaaban wa balighna Ramadan. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us in, in Rajab and Shaaban and allow us to reach Ramadan. Now this dua takes on a different meaning. Why allow me to reach it? Because mm. now this is my one chance to actually uh, work on myself. This is my one chance to actually, actually work on myself and fully immerse myself into my routine and fully immerse myself into my ibadah and fully immerse myself such that my nafs is not able to do whatever it wants to do. It's been toying with me for 11 years. I'm just following it like a like an animal. Just do whatever, whatever it wants to do. I'm following it. Now for 30 days, I'm re- I have no choice. Alhamdulillah, Allah, please allow me to reach this month because this is the only time of year where I. I can feel to some degree successful about my, about, my, about my progression. This is what Ramadan is. This is what Ramadan is. This is why the, the, the people of Suduq, they really look forward to Ramadan. They're thinking about it in advance. There's a degree of preparation that, that, that does occur. And the ulama always talk about this, right? That you should begin increasing your fast, increasing your Quran so that you hit the ground running. But then there's also this mental excitement that gets created, that I'm looking forward to this because I've been waiting to finally live like a Muslim. You know, I've been waiting to finally live like a true Muslim. I've been waiting to look in some way, shape, or form like a Sahabi. Like, you know, if it was the month of you know, there's nothing that resembles me in the Sahaba, right? Like, there's nothing. I, have not, I cannot in any way, shape, or form resemble the Sahaba. But in Ramadan, There's there's some semblance there, right? And that's uh, and that's that's important. It's important for us spiritually. It's important for us mentally. It's important for us. It's important because it encourages us as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us the fiqh to appreciate the greatness of Ramadan and the opportunity that's present in this blessed month. May Allah subhanahu wa taala allow us to achieve the goals that we have set forth uh, during this month. And may Allah subhanahu wa taala allow us to uh, uh, carry through and whatever actions we've we've attached ourselves to during the month of Ramadan, even outside of the month. Wa da'wana, and